You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Do you see the action in this in these juniors? It's telling me that the retail investor is finally coming back into this sector. Generalist investor left this sector in 2011 and has and most of them has, have not returned. I mean, they really haven't had a reason to return because general equities have done so well. So now with the gold price knocking on all, all-time highs in US dollars, it's already broken out in every other major currency to all-time highs. So it's only a matter of time that these juniors really start to get going and we're still in the early stages. So. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Thank you again for tuning in. I sincerely appreciate your listenership. And if you listen on an audio podcast form rather than YouTube, I'd appreciate it if you would rate and review the show. It helps the algorithms introduce this show to more possible investors and listeners, and I would appreciate that. Well, I'm joined again today with my friend David Erfley, the Junior Miner Junkie. Website, if you're not familiar, is juniorminerjunkie.com. David is a self-taught, self-directed, private investor who also runs a subscription service. I first interviewed David early on in this podcast back in 2017, and since that time, uh, through our interviews and friendship, David has probably been the most influential person on how I view this sector and how I approach investing in junior resources. So with that introduction, David, welcome back onto the program, and last time we talked, it was be right and sit tight. Is that still the word to the investors listening to us? Oh, absolutely, Bill. Thank you for that very nice introduction. Yes, it's it's great to be back on your show again. It's it's absolutely be right and sit tight time. Um, you know, a, a good example is is today where the 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 sector is basically flat. I see the GDX is is flat right now, but uh, many of the juniors that I follow and some that I own are up over double digits. As we're seeing, we're seeing uh, large amounts of capital coming into these juniors now. And um, as far as uh, the the uh, the move is concerned, um, we had 130% move up in the GDX in 10 weeks. That went through a mild consolidation. Um, the the once it broke out above 30, uh, there there was a there was a gap in the breakout on a daily basis, and that gap has been tested three times. And each time that gap was tested, we saw heavy buying coming in, which sparked intraday reversals to the upside. And uh, just uh, last week, we had a weekly gap in the GDX, which was a which might be a breakaway gap here. Um, and that gap was tested three times on a daily basis, and uh, with the gold price knocking on the eighteen hundred dollar door here as we go into a quarterly close. Um, as far as the, the gold price in dollars is concerned, um, we've never had a, a quarterly close above $1,800 an ounce. The, the highest quarterly close we had back in 2011 was $1,772. And right now it's trading above $1,780. And uh, if we have a, a quarterly close above $1,772 tomorrow on Tuesday, then we'll have an all-time high quarterly close. And um, if you see the action uh, in, this, in these juniors, it's telling me that uh, your retail investor is finally coming back into this sector, Bill. I mean, um, they came, uh, the, your, your uh, generalist investor left this sector in 2011 and, has, and most of them has, have not returned. I mean, they really haven't had a reason to return because 
general equities have done so well. So um, now with the gold price knocking on all-time highs in U.S. dollars, it's already broken out in every other major currency to all-time highs. So it's only a matter of time that uh, these juniors really start to get going, and we're still in the early stages. So absolutely, it's it's be right, sit tight. You get into these, you scale into in, into long-term holding positions, and you don't trade them. You just wait until the targets are hit in in the GDX and GDXJ, and the breakout target in GDX is 50. And the breakout target in GDXJ, once it breaks out, uh, the GDXJ has not broken out of its seven-year base yet. Uh, it quietly made a four-year uh, four high, a closing high on Friday. So we had a weekly close, a, a four-year weekly closing high on Friday in the GDXJ. And like I said, it was it, it was it was it was done quietly because it wasn't done on huge volume and it doesn't really stick out. So um, once we have the GDXJ close on a weekly basis above 50, then that will signal that the GDXJ has broken out. And the way some of these juniors are trading, some of these juniors are already bro breaking out to multi-year highs. So it's only a matter of time that the GDXJ does as well. And the measured target for the GDXJ, once it breaks out of a seven-year base above 50, is 90. So you want, you want to get into these things and you, you, you want to basically do as much research as you possibly can. If, if you don't have the time to do the research, you know, you could subscribe to a newsletter like mine or there, there, are, there are others that are just as, as good as mine is. And um, if you need some help in these things and you, you scale into them and you don't trade them because basically, Bill, um, uh, junior resource speculators like myself, we basically have been trading amongst ourselves for the past 10 years waiting for this opportunity for the, that brings the retail investor into our sector. So once that takes place, then you're really going to start to see some of these things take off. You mentioned don't trade, Dave. And for U.S. investors like ourselves, if we do a trade less than 365 days within the same year, we buy and sell a stock where we are taxed at a higher rate than if we hold it more a year and a day and we sell it after we hold it for a year. So then taxation comes into our mindset when we're thinking about when to exit a certain stock. But I heard a microcap investor who doesn't focus on the resource sector say that every time he held a microcap stock for the purposes of being taxed according to the long-term rate rather than the short-term rate, he ended up not making more money. I mean, what would be your response to that comment? It all depends on um, where you were in the cycle in the bull market. Um, I believe that we're in the early stages of a bull market here in, in the mining cycle. And I expect it to go, I expect the, the cycle to last at least another two to three years. So um, during the past 10 years, yes, I mean, it's been difficult to hold something for a long time to get a long-term gain until uh, 2016. When we had that, that major bottom in 2016, January of 2016, um, the, the, I think the, the GDX was down almost 85% from 20, 2011 to January 2016. And we had that initial short covering move that lasted only six months. And basically it was, it was based on short covering and um, it also got a lot of speculators in, into the sector, but it only lasted six months. And we spent the last four years consolidating that move. That move, I think it was uh, about 160%, it went up in six months. So that move has now been consolidated, and now we've broken out of these seven-year bases, 
It was six and a half year base in the gold price last June. And now a seven year base was broken out of the GDXJ in April. And now we're just, we're, we're, I think we're just days away from it taking place in the GDXJ. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Osino Resources is a Ross Beattie-backed gold exploration company in mining-friendly Namibia. Osino's district-scale land package is situated near two producing gold mines, one of which Osino's management team previously developed and sold to B2 Gold. Osino's founders and management are experienced mining professionals who have already successfully developed and sold two companies in the past seven years. Osino has a tight share structure, and with its current treasury, it can self-fund the advancement of its gold discovery into at least 20 2022. This is an exploration company with drills turning that you'll definitely want to pay attention to. Osino trades in New York under the ticker O-S-I-I-F and in Toronto under the ticker O-S-I. To learn more, go to OsinoResources.com. That's OsinoResources.com. I remember when we spoke at the Beaver Creek Precious Metals Summit last September 2019, you were saying that a lot of institutions were still cautious about deploying their money into this sector, but now it seems like they're jumping at any great opportunity. We see O3 Mining raises $40 million. Osino, after six months after raising, is going to raise up to $17 million, even though they already have a lot of cash. We're seeing quality plays having no problem getting access to money. Uh, first part of the question is, what is your observation about what the institutions are doing and how they're feeling? And two, when you see a, a company that already has cash, that you own, are you happy when they even further uh, polish off the treasury? Well, it it uh, it depends on uh, their share price uh, when, when they do it. Like if you give an example, you just gave an example of Asino, which I am also a, a shareholder and I cover the stock in, in my newsletter. That that uh, transaction was perfectly timed. When they announced it, their stock hit a, hit an all time high. Had already hit an all time high. And um, they only had to offer a half a warrant for for a year. So when you see something like that, I mean, as an as an investor, um, I I knew they already were cashed up for the rest of the year with ten million dollars. But now this cashes them up through uh, 2021 and into 2022. Uh, it gets them to a resource and uh, maybe even a PEA with with that kind of cash uh, operating in, in Namibia because it's dirt cheap to operate in Namibia. So that $25 million, I'll, I'll be speaking with, with Haya here um, next Friday and I'll find out more. But uh, yeah, when you see something like that, then you, you, you're happy. And you also see the market reaction to it, which was positive. You see these bot deals, um, they're normally in a, in a bear market, dilution finances are, are sold. I mean, no matter who, pretty much no matter who it is, they're going to get sold. But in bull markets, especially in the early stages of bull markets, once investors see that these these uh, management teams that are that are that are are uh, that are de-risking these large uh, uh, high margin projects, when they see the, the the dilution at a good price with good terms, um, that that bought deal or that finance gets bought. And you're seeing that happen a lot here lately. These bot deals and these finances are, are being bought. And uh, they're also, some of them are even being offered without a warrant. Uh, Alexco, which is another company that I, that I own and that I cover in my newsletter, um, they announced a 20 million uh, bot deal finance without a warrant. And then two hours later, it was upsized to 26 million. 
So and and on the same day they got the wa the water license they've been waiting for for the past few years. So their 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 uh, their property is now fully per permitted until 2035, and they're and they're fully financed to go into production now by the end of the year. So when, when when as an investor or a speculator that is not invested in the stock yet, when you see something like that, that's very positive and that's a stock you want to get into, especially if you see weakness on the uh, on the on the deal. It's it's a lower risk entry point. For the investors listening to us that don't do private placements or are not able to do private placements, when they see these bought deals or these financing offered, you mentioned a good company with a good deal. The share price goes up after the announcement. Uh, we saw that with GR Silver Mining also recently. Another example, what happened if the stock falls? Should that be a red flag in this market for the retail investors listening to us? It, it depends. It depends on where the stock was trading when it happened. You know, if the stock had had made a huge run, maybe it was up 150 percent or so, and you know, uh, in in a short amount of time, and that and, and it was announced. Like, um, I could give you an example. Um, a Cisco Mining announced a 150 million bot deal, which cashes which which cashes the company up to 500 million fully diluted in cash once it closed at 177 million a few weeks later that was sold i mean the stock had already moved up a lot and um uh, 177 million is quite a bit of dilution so all that does though is gives you it gives the investors waiting on the sidelines to possibly take a position in a stock like that a good a, a better entry because this is a this is a company that that controls a five million ounce deposit with a head grade of six six and a half uh, grams per ton, in a, in one of the best jurisdictions in the world, and they're and they've got uh you know they've got twenty I think twenty two drill rigs right now on site. They're, they're Cisco is known for fast tracking their projects, and they've already got the pre production, the 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 the, the pre construction capital in the bank with 500 million fully diluted cash already. So when you see something like that, that is that is uh, that is a, a low risk entry, entry point on a company that's got uh, a pretty good chance of being taken over, you know, w within the next 18 to 24 months. Dave, uh, retail investors often in this sector can have a a disadvantage to accredited investors that do the private placements. But I know from looking over your shoulder since the inception of your newsletter, where I get to see what you're buying and selling, both in the open market and in private placements, you actually do the majority of your purchases in the open market. And with that being said, what could you share and how could you encourage the retail investors listening to us about how they can still succeed, if even if they're not an accredited investor? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's especially now i mean it's sure it's it's the uh the sector has moved up quite a bit over the past few months but still these these juniors are still tr are are still massively undervalued so you don't really need to have a warrant to do well in this sector right now and and as you know as a us investor they make it very difficult for us in private placements um you know they keep uh, adding these these special rules for U.S. investors. The latest one is have sold and will sell um, legend removal, because as a as as a U.S. investor, you have to have the legend remain on the stock, and when you do the private placement, and then you have to have it removed before you sell the stock, and a have sold legend means you have to sell the entire position to get the legend removed. 
So if you if if you've let's say your four months in a, in a day hold comes off, you have to wait an extra month or so to get the legend removed, and then you have to sell the entire position to get the legend removed. Before you, they had will sell legend removal process where you only had to sell a few hundred shares, just a small amount to get the legend removed. So um, they're making it increasingly difficult for U.S. investors to take part in these private places. Why they're doing this, I don't know. They don't want our money, which, <laughs> which it seems to me that that's the case. I don't know why, but uh, they're just making it increasingly more difficult. So I don't, I don't uh, participate in that many private placements anymore because of this. Um, but uh, if if a private placement is done through my brokerage, which is Sprott, if they if they, if they if they broker the finance, then I will consider it because the fees are a lot less. And if there's if there's a will sell legend instead of a have sold legend, then I I might participate. But the the uh, the the, uh, the finance the uh, private placement has to be extremely attractive for me nowadays to, to participate. Mm -hmm. And you buy a lot of your stocks on the OTC as a U.S. investor, also, don't you? Right. Yes, because um, the companies that I'm in that I invest in, they're liquid enough for me to take large positions. Yeah, that's something key to point out. Uh, you can open an interactive broker's account. I, I do have one of those. You can trade directly on the TSXV, but I also have a TD Ameritrade account, which allows me to buy in the OTC. And like you said, Dave, you, I kind of look at the liquidity and see what would make more sense for a potential purchase. Uh, when it comes to Great Bear Resources, this has been probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, winners in the junior mining sector, the poster child for the last two years goes from 50 cents it's closing in on $20 a share we're talking about a 40-fold gain in two years what's your thoughts on this company at this point and you know as an investor if you were in at 50 cents when is enough enough should you be taking it all off the table at this point wow if it was me <laughs> this is unfortunately one that I didn't get into you know I've, I've got my own story a great bear that I don't want to bore you with but um, uh, yeah I mean if, if I had that kind of gain, I did have uh, somewhat of a, a large gain like that in a company called Novo Resources and I'm completely out now you know I did really well with the stock and I figure you know there's better out there's better value elsewhere for some of that money so um, you know and, and, and as far as great bears concerned I don't even think they've uh, defined a resource yet no. So a 40 fold increase without defining a resource. I mean, they've done everything right over there. I mean, they kept the share structure tight. They raised money at the right time. You know, they they uh, they did a they had a very good marketing campaign. They're they're in a fantastic district, which is the Red Lake district. So um, they've done everything right over there. Um, but uh, I fully expect to be many more stories like that uh, coming out of this uh, this market. You know, by by the time we get into a full blown bull market, we're not, still not even there yet. We're still in the early stages here, so um, I fully expect to to hear about and hopefully be involved with many more of those stories. Yep, me too, and that's why we take the risks. This is this is a high risk, high reward sector, and we're we're trying to seek out those forty fold winners. But you know, a three to five fold winner isn't bad either. So, Dave, before I let you go here, I'd like to get your thoughts on. The service companies I've been presented with and received some inquiries from listeners about, Bill, what about the service sector, the sector that services and provides services to the mining sector? That's going to rise when all these mining companies start drilling more and are more profitable. Where are the opportunities in the service sector? It may not go 
40-fold, but it could easily go three or five-fold over a period of years. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Dave? Well, absolutely. I mean, what, during the during the uh, the gold rush of the 1800s, the, the people that made the most money were the people that sold the, sold the equipment to mine. Yes. <laughs> so um, uh, I fully expect that to happen as well, but you're asking the wrong person. That's not really <laughs> my area of expertise. <laughs> You're, you're the junior miner junkie, not the junior miner supplier junkie. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the best person to ask that question. I got my hands full with with these juniors here. And um, as you know, you know, I, I, I own and own and cover 30 and uh, I don't like to I don't, I don't like to own any more than that. And then I have 20 more that that uh, I, I've, I've researched on a watch list. So basically, I, 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 I cover 50 companies even though I, I own shares in, in, in uh, 27 of them and I have uh, warrants in three others. But, um, you know, like I said, I've, I've got my hands full there with, with junior miners here. <laughs> well, we'll leave the conversation there, Dave. Uh, we'll be touching base again, having you on the show in a month. If you're not familiar with Dave's service, please head on over to juniorminerjunkie.com. Also get on Dave's free email list and you'll get emailed every Friday evening or afternoon, depending on where you live, his weekly editorial uh, that he also posts at kitco.com. Dave, as always, appreciate your insights. Thanks for coming on today's show. Thanks for having me, Bill. Anytime. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty dollars or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. 
If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.